You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. We can see that illuminated sign that marks the end of the journey. This vaccine will help us get past this pandemic once and for all. We need people to have faith that this vaccine is safe and that they should take it. The thing that's going to stop us from seeing the end of this pandemic are people going, oh, I'm not so sure. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Roger Hearing. Good afternoon, I'm Ewan Potts, and we start with concerns about the loosening of virus restrictions and what it means for work, leisure and travel. Boris Johnson says his government remains on course to lift lockdown restrictions later this month, but he made no promises, saying data on the effectiveness of the vaccines against the new virus stain remains ambiguous. Well, meanwhile, the aviation industry is hoping more countries will be added to the government's green travel list later. Holidaymakers returning to the UK from green locations aren't required to self-isolate. But again, Boris Johnson urged caution. It's thought several Greek islands, Malta, parts of the Caribbean possibly could be added as green in the updated list. But some places could also be removed from it. And Johnson has another couple of headaches. The row over catch-up education in England has escalated after a top advisor to the government resigned. He called the government's funding plans insufficient. And the BBC is reporting the government's facing a surprise rebellion from Conservative MPs next week that could force it to reverse its cuts to the foreign aid budget. Four former Tory cabinet ministers and the chairs of eight powerful Commons committees are among the rebels. Well, the chair of one of those committees is Tobias Elwood, Conservative MP for Bournemouth East. I'm very pleased to say he joins us now. He's chair of the Defence Committee. Tobias, welcome to the programme. Thanks for being with us. First of all, can you confirm that you do intend to vote against the government on this aid question? Well, we're, thank you for inviting me on. Uh, interesting you call me a rebel. We're actually encouraging the government and certainly the Conservative Party to honour its manifesto commitment to stick with 0.7% uh, aid. And firstly, well done to my colleague, Andrew Mitchell. You touched on the wide variety, the, the depth of support that he's managed to muster and also finding a bill which offers the opportunity for Parliament, uh, the view of Parliament, to be tested in retaining this important uh, aid support. But, you know, step back. The bigger picture is next week at the G7 summit, members will address a very, very simple question. Is our world becoming more dangerous or less? And with growing authoritarianism, extremism, expanding beyond the Middle East, climate change, you know, creating a whole new raft of challenges, and, of course, so many countries calling out for help regarding the pandemic, I think the answer is pretty clear indeed. Yet here we are hosting the summit to address these very issues we're choosing to cut our aid budget, the only G7 nation to consider to do so. There's, the problem is, is there, there's plenty of need at home. And uh, I think the trouble is, for your side, this is a popular cut, isn't it? There was a YouGov poll at the time 
uh, last year said that this was supported by two thirds of voters and 90 percent of conservative supporters back cutting the foreign aid budget. Yeah, I mean, this is the difficulty and this is why a parliamentary full debate on this, I think, will be helpful to actually explain why it's so important that we continue the support. Well-directed aid pays for itself. It eases poverty, it educates, it builds local competence, slows migration down, you know, way beyond Dover, uh, reforms justice. And of course, it can create markets to build prosperity, the very thing that the Chancellor wants to do. But more importantly, it also denies extremism the ability to flourish. And in some cases, when we uh, retreat from programs and leave a vacuum, it could be filled by uh, states such as China and Russia. And they will pursue a very different relationship than, than we will, far less transparent. So we need to make the case to say it's in our interest. And I'm, I make the final point that it's actually who we are as a nation. We do step forward when others hesitate. It's why we have a permanent seat on the UN Security Council, because we make these judgments. We want to lead. We want to encourage others to follow uh, our suit. But Tobias, you know there will be people out there who say, hang on a second, this is simply not uh, not the best thing to be doing at this time when the government's under a lot of pressure in other areas. You will be taking against a government that's had a thumping majority uh, when it was elected, of course, in 2019. Uh, a lot of what they were saying at the time was based that this would go through. You are being a rebel, and a rebel on a point that a lot of your constituents will not be sympathetic with. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned the election, and I touched on it already. This was a manifesto commitment. It's something that we've committed ourselves to for the last 10 years. And this is why I got into politics, is for Britain to do the right thing, to step forward, to make sure that we can lead. And if we're honest, the last five to 10 years has been pretty bumpy from a Western perspective. Lack of resolve, lack of clarity as to what we believe in, what we stand for, what we're willing to defend. And so this is the argument we need to make. If we don't do these things, if we don't step forward, what will be the consequences? And they will be far bigger than, I'm afraid, uh, perhaps we're, we're reporting at the moment. And we'd end up having to go into these places and spend a lot more money uh, as well. Afghanistan's a great example, where it was all military support, all hard power, little focus on soft power. You're not going to defeat any insurgency through military means uh, alone. It was General Jim Mattis who I think said, uh, you know, you more, the less you spend on aid, the more he has to spend on bullets. And that is the argument that we need to make on Monday when I hope we'll have an opportunity to, to debate these important matters. The government has a, has a pretty big majority. Do you think on Monday you will have the numbers to, to, to get this passed? Well, we're halfway there. Well, you touched yourself on the, on the names, the, the calibre of, of people who are already supporting this. And I think uh, we are likely to gain uh, energy and momentum. Many cabinet mem former cabinet members, a number of chairs of select committees, and I think they will be quite influential in others in recognising absolutely these are tough times for Britain. But this is what we are. This is what global Britain is supposed to be all about. I hope that we end up not even having to put this to a vote. Uh, often is the case that there's behind-the-scenes discussions, you know, usual channels, and we end up with a resolution. Uh, that's what I hope will happen. All right. Well, let's move, if we may, then on to another issue, which the government is also uh, potentially under a lot of fire over, and that's to do with its catch-up tuition plans, the plans to try and help children who were left behind in educational terms during the pandemic. As you know, one of the government's chief advisers, Sir Kevin Collins, has resigned over this. It doesn't look good that it, when the advisor says one figure, the government comes back with another, and everyone who's involved in education, it says, hang on, this isn't enough. It looks rather curmudgeonly on the part of the government, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm sure it's something that the government will now be, be you know, revisiting, looking at again. 
if we're honest, the, the, the pandemic has been tough on the entire country, but arguably no more so than on the, the, you know, the students, the academics, the, the, the pupils, our children. And we need to make sure that they are able to, to catch up. And that's why this investment is required. I suspect we haven't heard the end of this debate. I'm, I'm sure it'll come up again on Monday when we return uh, from recess. Be good to get your take on the uh, rolling back of the virus restrictions. Do you think that all restrictions are going to go on June 21st? A lot of people saying that's looking increasingly less likely. And the government saying that they're not going to tell us until perhaps as late as the 14th uh, when that decision is, is made. Do you think the government is, is approaching this in the correct way? Yeah, absolutely. This plan, or you know, this uh, roadmap out of lockdown was put together in February. And there were five-week intervals with the easing of lockdown so we could actually see the impact of what was happening. Because, of course, every time you liberate the, the restrictions a little bit, you give license for the pandemic to spread even further throughout society. We're in a new uh, area at the moment where it's actually younger people that are uh, spreading this, this virus, but perhaps inadvertently unaware of it because they're asymptomatic. Uh, but only 70% uh, of the nation adults has actually been vaccinated. And don't forget the efficacy here. Uh, if you've had the AstraZeneca vaccine, you know, it's only 78% uh, you know, workable, which means that you could still get the, the pandemic. You could still pick up the virus nonetheless. So we have to be cautious. The premise is absolutely right. right. Look at the, the, the most up-to-date data, which I think will come out in the next uh, uh, couple of weeks. But the point, surely, in all this is, yes, there may be a third wave. It's possible. There could still be infections. But everything we know from the data that's been coming out the last week or so is that people being sent into hospital and deaths are really, really low. Isn't the sign now that perhaps the burden has moved forward and we can say the balance is, is more in favour of opening the economy? Somewhere like where you are in Bournemouth, dependent on tourism and travel, they need to be able to get back to where they were before and now the cost will be rather less. Yes, it, this is the balance has always been. There's actually a third factor in there, which is the consent of the nation. We want to support our economy. We want to get going again. We still need to defeat this virus and keep people well, keep our hospitals open and, and working. But ultimately, you want the nation to work with you too. So these three variables are the, are the things that keep you know, the, the Prime Minister, number 10, up at night, making sure that we were able to, to, to move through. We've been very fortunate with our vaccine rollout in this country. We made the right decisions early to uh, get a number of combinations of, of, of vaccination systems in place. Uh, we don't want to undo that, though. And clearly, we're not out of the woods. And what's happened with India, other variants come along. We need to remain cautious. There's nothing simple about um, you know, defeating a pandemic. Are you happy with what's being done on travel? We're going to be speaking to uh, ABTA later on in, in, in the show. But the industry is clearly unhappy that we summer is now here and we still have very little clarity on where people can and can't go over the summer months. Now, I would have liked to have seen uh, the international passports move forward far quickly. If you've been vaccinated twice, then there should, you should have the freedom to be, able to, you know, uh, to be able to travel. There should have been a digital process to allow that to happen. And we've been very, very slow. That's something that Britain, I think, could advance forward now that, as I say, our adult population uh, arguably is, is more vaccinated than others across uh, Europe. But the idea is can't block that you cannot travel or you have to have huge quarantine systems in place. People absolutely want to get away. Part of this the pandemic challenge has been the, the mindset, has been the mental well-being of, of our nation. Getting away, taking the kids on a holiday is so important to be able to get back to some form of normality. And that could be done now if you then have um, a vaccination digital passport system, an international system, uh, but we're still not there yet. In a word, Tobias, very briefly, are you planning a holiday? 
Uh, I'm actually uh, happy. I've got a canal boat, so I'm very happy in the UK. <laughs> I don't know where going anywhere this time. And a bit safer too, I should, should think. Thanks yeah. so much for being with us. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics. And you and we kick off with, uh, well, a deal with Australia. Yeah, the government's looking to sign its post-Brexit trade deal with Australia soon after the upcoming G7 summit. That's according to a story in the FT. It says the talks between the two countries are nearing a conclusion with a tentative agreement penciled in for the week starting June the 14th following the summit in Cornwall. That's uh, not very far off. Meanwhile, the Scotch whisky industry could see a boost if the deal with Australia cuts tariffs on the drink. The International Trade Secretary, Liz Truss, says she's hoping to get the 5% rate scrapped. The Scottish government's raising concerns over the deal, though, particularly if import standards don't match the ones held domestically. It seems the indoor reopening of pubs and restaurants in England last month did little to encourage us back to the high street. Latest figures from Springboard show the gap between footfall in May and the same time in 2019 widened as the month went on. It was down by as much as 26.8%. But the return of non-essential retail in April did boost the numbers. And Britain's richest plumber, Charlie Mullins, wants to sell out. He started Pimlico Plumbers back in 1979 with a second-hand van, and he built it into one of London's most recognisable firms. But sources say the 68-year-old is now seeking a buyer for Pimlico. Mullins is rather well-known for his mullet hairstyle and his outspoken comments on everything from taxes to Brexit. Well, who knew there was money in plumbing? Right, as we look ahead to the summer, let's focus on the foreign travel situation. Officials are set to announce a revised green list of countries deemed safe for leisure travel later on today. But we understand the government is likely to stay cautious in the face of a growing threat of another wave of infections. Boris Johnson says that while he wants to allow foreign travel, he will have no hesitation in moving previously safe countries onto the high-risk list if their pandemic situation worsens. Well, let's uh, get more on this with Sean Tipson from the Travel Association, ABTA. Sean, welcome to the programme. Tell me, uh, how is the uh, summer, now that we're kind of pretty much uh, in it, how, how is the summer looking from a bookings point of view for the industry? Well, well, bookings, I think, understandably, are much, much lower than you would see in a normal year. They really are, because the issue around people booking holidays is, is usually an issue of confidence, and that confidence is at a very low level. It's not that people don't want to travel. 
They really do. I mean, obviously, some people are saying that they're going to wait for the pandemic to be finished or they do so, but, at this, but there are also other people who feel very differently. And they want to get, but what they don't want to be in is a situation whereby they have to pay for very expensive tests, potentially have to quarantine for two weeks at very short notice. All of these things are, are very damaging to confidence. And clearly, the knock on impact for that is on our members, travel agents and tour operators, and the airlines who we use as well, who've been through about 15 months of severely reduced income in some cases nothing i was actually speaking to one of our members before i came on air and she said that's it she had had no money in for 15 months so we've been saying for quite some time to the government look you've been very supportive to other industries um but you haven't been giving that kind of tailored support to us really haven't for example the restart grants if you're a hairdresser i think you're entitled to eight thousand pounds travel agents who did reopen were only entitled to two so I just didn't quite understand the logic of that when they were both in exactly the same position. And I suppose the interesting question in this, Sean, is, is how is the mm -hmm. government's traffic light system working? Are they, uh, because they're indicating that, you know, while red list yeah. nat nations you shouldn't go to, a bit of dub dubiousness about the amber side and then there's green. But are you finding or are your customers mm -hmm. who are coming to, to the, your members actually looking for amber list countries? Are they daring to go to these places? I, I, yes, some people are. They really are. Because that's, I mean, it's that mixed messaging as well. But it is not illegal to go to an ambulance destination. It isn't. You can do so if you wish, obviously subject to the big, rather expensive tests, as I said, and quarantining when you return. So, yeah, there are some people. I think people who've got a bit more money, or alternatively, where uh, if they have to quarantine home, it's not going to really affect them, might be working from ready or retired. Yeah, so some people, in particular Spain, obviously, because that's by far the most popular overseas destination. So, so some people are travelling on that basis, but but not that many, really not that many. And where people are going in any numbers is Portugal, because obviously it's a very popular destination and it's on the green list. But even then, the numbers are lower. So the, the situation for our members is, well, I can say our members as I represent travel agents and tour operators, but for the whole industry, it is very worrying because, I mean, certainly some of the mood music around, you know, travel itself, it, it's, it's not exactly going to encourage people to go. Whereas if you look at the situation on the continent, the EU is going the other way. Um, their vaccination programmes are running out much more effectively. They're looking at allowing pretty much unrestricted travel if you have been fully vaccinated. Now, I had my second jab yesterday. What's the second answer? I'm like, oh, going for half the population will be short, if not already. So surely we must have some kind of benefit from that. And other countries are looking to say, yeah, you can travel as long as you can show you've been fully vaccinated. So here we're still sticking to very rigorous PCR testing when, in fact, as I said, other countries just won't require it. So why do we? Let me ask you then, what about the, yeah. uh, the, the what would you like to see from the government's review of the <clears> system? Because we know they are going to have a yeah. look. They're going to uh, work it all out. What, what, yeah. what's the, what would you ideally come out of that as far as your industry is concerned? Well, well, I think, first of all, we need a recognition of the vaccination rollout and how effective it's been in the UK. <clears throat> because, that, again, as I said, that's what's happening in the EU and America as well, I believe, shortly. So that's something. We must have some benefit from that. We'll have to, these vaccines actually work. They seem to be working against variants as well. That's one thing. But secondly, in the short term, we would like some more help. We really would, because we've had relatively little from the government, because we will get to a situation where we can start travelling again in a much more normal fashion. And the Brits love their foreign holidays. I think, again, in a normal year, you'd see about 48 million trips overseas on holiday each year. So we need to have an industry in place to be able to service that when people can start travelling again, because, you know, as I said, it is very worrying. That, you know, companies, there haven't been that many companies failing. That's, I think, partly because of the fact that people have really cut back to the bone to enable companies to continue to trade. But that, that's not sustainable. So we need some financial assistance. 
a bit more clarity about moving forward to start building confidence and also work in partnership with other destinations who, as I said, have much more clear-cut ways in which they're saying they can reopen travel. And said essential part of that is the vaccination rollout, which, again, has been great success here, and it's also taking going on a pace in European destinations as well. So we will get to a stage later in the summer where they'll be very happy for the vast majority of us to travel without restrictions. So, so, we, so we need to insist on continuing with a very expensive test. And that's another thing as well. Why are those tests so expensive in the first place? Some countries will let you have them for free on their own health services. And in others, the average cost, even if you have to go private, is half what we have to pay. So those costs have got to come down if they still insist on testing. You mentioned government support. What, what would you like to see, ideally, uh, over the coming months yeah. from the government? For, for well, I think, first of all, let's have a level playing field. As, as I mentioned earlier, with restart grants, travel agents and tour operators were only entitled to £2,000, whereas hairdressers were entitled to £8,000. I don't say just, say just exclusively hairdressers, but you get my point. Well, at that point, what's happening? I went to my barbers as soon as they reopened. The place was packed, so they're actually getting more money in and we're entitled to a, a large grant. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. So a level playing field and also longer-term support. Because if we continue with these strategies, uh, which seem to be actively discouraging people from travelling, then you know we'll need things like the extension of the furlough scheme for the travel industry and also other issues, anything they can do seriously to help us through this. Because it's not just about, you know, the whole idea of going overseas for your holidays. Uh, we employ hundreds of thousands of people in the UK, and many of those jobs are severely at risk now. And that's that's really not a good thing. And the other side as well, from a practical perspective for you as a member of the public, if you look at the cost of um, domestic holidays, because the demand has gone through the roof, so have prices. So it's actually going to be very, actually quite difficult for people, particularly on some lower incomes, to afford holiday in the UK. So that's another thing as well. It's about widening choice. Whereas holidays overseas are probably at an all-time low for their cost because the demand isn't very high. So people need to be able to have that option to travel without paying for extremely expensive testing, but to do so in a safe way. And as I said, if they've been fully vaccinated, while other countries opening up their borders on that basis, perhaps we should be thinking of doing the same. Sean, just take us through where, what the situation of your industry is there, because a lot of we, we've yeah. spoken to many different industries which are on their knees in various different ways. But mm -hmm. but but explain it to us. I mean, you represent both big and small. I know in Abta. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Uh, and there are many who, well, you said, you know, haven't had money coming in for a long period. I mean, have many of them actually gone to the wall? How, how much have you lost in all yeah. this? Yeah, well, in terms of actual numbers of companies, not as many as I would have thought in a normal year. Um, I, you know, if you're going through really difficult times. But, yeah, we've had a number of failures. I think but quite a few companies are basically surviving, just about surviving on the basis that they've many of them taken out loans, they put their staff on furlough. And so but on the understanding that we would hopefully be through this by the summer. And so that's the danger. If we keep on this way, they will start failing. And also that's clearly not good for the people employed by those companies, not good for our members. But in the long term, it's not good for members of the public either. Because one of the great advantages of the overseas travel industry is that we are very, very competitive. I remember some research done by the old Thomas Cook a few years ago, and we had the cheapest package holidays in Europe. I mean, people sometimes complained about the cost, but they're actually much, much lower. And that's because it was an incredibly competitive market. So you need to make sure it remains that way. So we need to keep make sure there is a healthy industry there to service that demand once it – well, the demand's still there, to be fair, but once we're able to travel – in, in a way that is safe, but also in a way that is affordable and as 
not as complicated as it currently stands. And the other problem we've got is the whole issue around uh, border force when you get back, because there are so many checks that have to be made. There is talk about queues being much longer if we start travelling in large numbers. Well, OK, why don't you address that now? We have e-gates, which can check your passport. Surely they could be altered in a way so they could check your NHS data as well. These kind of things need to be looked into so that it doesn't all have to be done by one poor person on the border post. And we also bring more people in. They need more resources. So these are things that need to be addressed and sooner rather than later. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, let's face it, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. There's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.